One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Esports Moment. I'm Seamus Byrne, and this week we're bringing you one of the best voices in the industry for selling what esports has to offer to big business. Nicola Piggott is the co-founder of StoryMob, an esports communications consultancy that works closely with some of the biggest teams and brands in the industry. Team Liquid, G2, Splice, Kingwin, Riot Games, and many more. The co-founders are ex-ESL and ex-Riot Games, Nicola being the Riot half, which is where I first met her back when the Oceanic Pro League was first launching here in Australia. She's a great communicator and has a deep love of esports, so she has so many great thoughts to share from two very interesting angles. How can esports tell its story better? And how do brand marketers build the right relationships with teams and fans so that everybody wins? We caught up on my recent trip to IEM Katowice during an global esports forum event that took place there and over the next half hour you get an amazing crash course in some of the brightest thinking there is so here we go enjoy my moment with nicola piggott from the story mob so the story mob what was the gap that you kind of saw in this industry that you felt like okay, yeah, there's a problem I can actually solve for people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, having had the experiences that you had with sort of Riot and general communications before that, uh, I think, yeah, it's a really interesting place to, to, to think about is what was the problem you saw that could be solved if someone thought about it the right way? Sure. So um, my, one of my co-founders, uh, Anna and I, who worked at ESL, uh, were friends for a couple of years and we compared notes. And what we found in the industry was there were two sides of the scale. There were people that knew sports and uh, knew esports really well, even, um, but really didn't have kind of the, you know, the communication excellence that you look for when you when you when you want to engage a partner. And there were people that had that in spades, right? There were huge global companies, um, but that just didn't know esports, and and more importantly didn't want to take the time to know esports mm. uh they considered i guess esports to be you know like too small scale to really invest a ton of time in building a team immersing themselves in the in the sport so there was a lot of um 
acting as if you know uh we we both spoke to a lot of partners who tried to convince us of their passion in esports but it was pretty paper thin and it's really easy to tell the difference so the more that we talked we realized there was a real gap here for there we talked to so many teams and publishers and tournament organizers and everyone from across the ecosystem who really wanted to up their game and communications but who just didn't have the right support to do it um we were super excited at the idea of working with all of those guys because we love the industry what we want to help improve it in in the way that we know best which is comms uh and it, it the more we talked it just it felt like such a glaring gap in the market and i i i'm very slow to pick up cues sometimes <laughs> in my career but this definitely felt like a, a a great big one yeah uh so it just it it completely made sense and um luckily enough we've been you know proved pretty right over the last year it's been a really good year for working with multiple um really deeply invested partners who take our advice or or challenge our advice or help us to help them make things better and so in the big picture sense uh you know two questions first one being you know when you're working with companies that are trying to take those first steps into esports curious what those kind of common threads are that you feel like these are the answers we keep giving these kinds of companies and are helping them work through so most of the time it's about fluency, right? Like it's, it's so easy to make such a, to make a really small mistake that's going to crucify you. Um, and that could be as simple as like naming the wrong game, naming the wrong player, you know, getting too enthused over a really old meme that's lame. Yeah. And, you know, and this is all kind of surface stuff, but what it comes down to is, is how do you speak to an esports fan, right? People come into the ecosystem with like pretty, solid ideas and are forced to challenge them so for us it's all about teaching it you know it's a it's 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 kind of in the same vein as you speak to any passionate community right you get to know them you admit when you're learning uh you don't pretend you know everything and when you make mistakes you own up and you laugh at yourself like it, it especially for brands um it's such a minefield but also there's just you know, there's so much opportunity for fans to embrace you. This is the one sport in the world where fans want, you know, sponsorships and they want commercialization in the right way. They want their sport to exist, you know, for years and years to come. So they're, they're crying out for it. When I was at Riot, um, we used to have people writing in saying, could you put more ads on the LCS? Like, we would love that because we want to be assured that it's going to be here, you know, in a couple of years. We want, you know, to, to see that you're, you're being supported, which was so sweet and earnest. Um, so really, like, when we deal... When we deal with people who are taking their very first step, um, it's it's mainly about pulling on our knowledge of tone and fluency and how to how to speak to the audience. Um, also, people assume that esports is one sort of homogenous mass, right? So they don't know how to pick the right project for them, the right sport, the right tournament, the right activation. Um, so so often, more often than not, actually, as part as part of a sort of an extension of our comms things, we're talking with people about what makes sense for them as a brand. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. But yeah, so it's all about how, how you speak to people. I mean, a good point I'll try to dig on a little bit there is that whole question of honesty and I guess that if you've made a mistake, that mm. idea that it's not over either. Like if, right. if you just, again, just really embrace the fact that, yeah, we screwed up, you mm. know, but that by having that conversation with this audience that they will both crucify you, but then they'll happily become your friend again the next day if mm -hmm. you respond in the right way. Mm -hmm. um, that must be something really difficult for people who don't know the space world to grasp that 
this is an audience that will kind of pull hard, but then they'll push, but then they'll embrace, like in, yeah. all in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so we gave a, um, a talk here last year and put together a, a, a white paper after it where we talked about crisis. And one of the things that we advised during a crisis is you have to act immediately. Like expediency is an, an, an immediacy is so important to this audience, right? Like I... and I don't wait for my news I you know I go online I want you know more information quicker Uh, I don't like I I am served all of these things you know straight away Um, I remember and again this is sort of an old anecdote but I remember when I first started in a PR agency back in the day uh, and I was working on you know I don't know uh, like an online brand or, or something simple when you got a crisis we would literally hit a clock um and see how you know and and the we would have a couple of hours to sort of get our shit together mm. and be able to put out a statement if somebody had embarrassed themselves we could work with them whereas now you you have minutes yeah if that right a couple <laughs> of seconds and you have to be responsive or, or you are dead in the water so we advise people always to just keep an open line with the community so that it doesn't feel strange when you're jumping on after a crisis yeah it sort of underlines it if they've never heard from you and then all of a sudden they hear from you <laughs> so you know we really talk to people about keeping an open line and, and keeping a two-way conversation going. Yeah. And so then when you're working with companies who are part of esports, I think there's then that whole discussion on how do, we, you know, how do they find out how to kind of better, I guess, communicate to a sponsor or how do they communicate with potential partners? Um, you know, what kinds of things are you helping them to get better at um, so that they can kind of work out? How do they go from, I guess, just knowing how to talk to a community mm. to, to actually be- becoming a better uh, business operation in that uh, sense? So it's actually really interesting. A lot of the teams that we work with are bringing on like, you know, super kind of blue chip brands. Um, Liquid recently uh, signed a partnership with Honda. Um, Riot, who we work with in NA and EU, are working with, you know, Kia and Foot Locker. And uh, it's, what it encourages them to do and teams this is especially true of teams who are much younger uh it encourages them to really step up their game when it comes to thinking creatively like big brands are used to working with you know organizations who for want of a better word like really have their shit together right who who are able to you know turn around stats when it comes to success metrics and think creatively when it comes to campaigns Normally, they're used to working with big teams who, who you know, power all these things. So the teams that we work with are, are really excited, actually, about upping their game in that area. They feel mm. like the brands are teaching them a lot. Um, equally, I think they have the ability to take the brand someplace new to um, a, a lot of the engagement that the brands see straight away when they when they work with a team or a tournament is staggering to them. Um, and kind of, you know, a brand new world in terms of like immediate ROI. So I think there's learnings on both sides. But, you know, I uh, what I will say is the, the best relationships... Uh, and the most long running, um, you know, really depend on trust on both sides and being able to do something creative. Like I'm one of the trends that I really like seeing at the moment is um, naming rights for like training, training facilities, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, again, like we did a, a cool one with Alienware. You see others in the space. Like I think that's just great, really creative. And what it means as well is that the brand is part of creating something that makes life better for players. Yeah. Right. Which yeah, that's a good point. is what the fans really respond to. So, yeah, I think, you know, that kind of creativity is, I'm, I'm just so excited to see it. 
Mm. Um, one of the things I really liked about uh, your talk at the event today was the idea of the whole idea of finding new ways to tell our stories. Um, you know, that it reminds me of, you know, as a journalist over the years, uh, it doesn't matter what kind of format you shift into, you keep kind of being reminded that there's a while there where you do things the way you think you're meant to do it. And then you sort of slowly find your voice. And it feels like, uh, to me, that it fits into that idea that, yeah, that esports feels like, well, we're sport, therefore mm. let's tell sports stories. Mm-hmm. But that I guess, you know, part of your idea there is trying to kind of work out, okay, what what is a the unique aspect of esports mm. and how do we embrace those parts of ourselves instead of pretending that we are the same kinds of people as kind of those traditional athletes and things as well. I mean, right. you know, I'd love for you to tease out a little bit of your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think so esports is sort of almost like in the teenage years, right, where you start to question the things that you've grown up with. Um, I started working in esports around 2011, 2012, and then it was all about proving worth, right? In every conversation, be it with a sponsor or, a, you know, I remember when Riot first booked the Staples Center, they were confused. They said, is everyone going to be playing a game? Like, is this, are you setting up like 10,000 systems? What's (laughs) happening? Yeah. So there was so much explaining and so much justifying, not of who we were, but just to sort of, you know, get access to the same resources mm. that I think uh, the focus, at least for me, was so heavily on, you know, sport, sport, sport. We stand shoulder to shoulder with sports and should be judged equally. Um, and now I think we're confident enough as an industry and and old enough and secure enough to be able to challenge some of that thinking. Not that I don't think we're equal. As I said in, earlier today, in, in some areas, I think we're superior, right? It, when it comes to, you know, like audience, audience connection and um, the possibilities of like, you know, digital goods and, and customization and, and player stories ultimately. Um, so I, I, I think we're just, I, again, I think we're just at that stage where we're able to take a look around ourselves and I would encourage esports, um, because I, I, the worry, right, about being compared to sports and sort of taking so much pride in that comparison is that it can become a bit slavish. Um, it can become a little predictable in terms of, you know, trying to recreate what we've seen. And esports was always a combination of taking the best things from sports and reinventing. Mm. You know, even leagues, even the way they worked, they, they may have, you know, started with a sports rule book, but they've changed. So... Yeah, we really need to think about how and where we're best placed to stand on our own two feet. And and some of the things I talked about earlier today were like, you know, these amazing athletes at, at the forefront of what they do who reflect so keenly the audience back home in a way that it really it doesn't exist in any of the old sport. Mm. You know, like I see myself growing up as a gamer and, and feeling ashamed of it. And then I see it reflected back at me with with pride and and admiration not just in esports circles but you know in mainstream circles now and that's that's an amazing thing and for me to see myself mirrored so keenly um i don't have the same experience with sports uh not traditional sports anyway so that's 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 so precious and so unique um and i think we should be taking advantage of it yeah and you you use the example of some of the the you know on, on some levels, cringeworthy kind of aspects of the, you know, Overwatch kind of intros and, mm. and that they've, you know, continued a bit of that into the Overwatch League itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but even through all that, you know, you get those people that you can just tell are just completely 
having a ball of a time doing yeah. that kind of stuff versus the ones that are like, oh, God, do I have to do this? <laughs> um, but like Mickey in the Overwatch League is someone I think has kind of, you know, is this guy quite clearly is just loving playing. Yeah. And, and so he becomes that kind of star because he's just smiling and having a great time no yeah. matter what. Um, so I think, yeah, there's so many of those elements there that, that do point to that idea that if, if the leagues themselves can, can let people just show themselves in fun ways, then yeah. fans go, that guy, I like that guy. It's actually, there's something, weirdly, something sort of super magical happens sometimes when you try and force a round peg into a square hole. <laughs> like, uh, I'm reminded of, there was a League of Legends player called Hooney. Um, he's astoundingly good. He, he's, um, played in Korea and in North America and Europe, but he was playing in Europe in 2015. And this is a, you know, a kid from Korea whose English wasn't great. He was still working on it. He was still relatively new to the scene, but the audience took into heart because he's this goofy, hilarious kind of, you know, cartoony kid who's just having the time of his life um and he became uh, like almost this kind of unofficial mascot of the region it was amazing to see and that's it's 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 not unusual um i media trained players for years and you can always pick out like the guys who are you know shy and retiring but have a lot to say or the guys who are pretty stern and sort of data driven like to talk about you like to break down the game really technically and then there's these other guys who you know who would who just adore speaking and letting their personality shine and there's room for all of these guys i i think all of all of them attract different levels of fandom and different types of fans it just there's so much rich personalities there um i'm just i'm super excited to see some of them you know like starting to break the mainstream almost yeah and look uh, yeah if you could also mention the um the cloud nine adc who you, know, you oh, mentioned Ed, just yeah. doing such a great job on the cosplay stuff <sighs> yeah. but like by even by going the full extent to gender bending in the cosplay but yeah doing it perfectly in that way that just well, makes people go what what well, it's so interesting so just to recap for, for anyone who, who's not aware sneaky he's the adc for cloud nine he's 24 maybe 25 now um and he is at the top of his game esports wise um and he also does amazing incredible cosplays of female league champions and skins um and here's the thing like i don't think he's doing it to be performative i don't think he's doing it to shock none of that i think he's just doing it because he he wants to do something really well and yeah. he does it incredibly well the cosplays are amazing they're so detailed the photos have become so pro his attention to detail in in, in costume it's incredible and and it's 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 one of the most amazing things to me because he doesn't, there, there is no big deal about it. If this were, again, if this were a sportsman, a traditional sportsman, A, this would never happen. Yeah. Um, and B, it would be, you know, this huge statement. Like, what does this mean? And how brave? And like, Sneaky's not being brave. He's just doing what he likes to do. And yeah. this is just a thing that he likes to do. Um, it's it's so cool to see. And I think that kind of thing, because I was always very admiring as well of how open the... Uh, gaming ecosystem was to to uh, to difference, right? Um, not always to diversity, except you know in some areas. But difference, like so, as an example, uh, the pro players that I worked with were always very close and affectionate with each other, like uh, you know over social media, like in in events and stuff like that. They would refer to each other as Bay and stuff like that. It was 
and again, I don't think that they're doing that to make a statement. I, I don't think that they're trying to like battle homophobia. I think that's just who they are and, you know, that it's as an accepted part of what they do. Um, and it's, again, it's pretty cool. It's very inspiring. I think it's a, you know, it's a generation that doesn't really, isn't self-conscious about this yeah. in the same way that their father's generation might have been. And I see that when I see Sneaky, but I also just see, you know, this in- incredible, <laughs> incredible quirk of an incredible dude that's so interesting to me. Mm. Um, and he's continued to do it. You know, he comes out with more and more elaborate pieces and they're just staggering. So yeah, he's, he's, a, I'm a big fan. I mean, there's always that feedback loop as well, right? For him, he's probably the first couple of times he's done it. He's like, what are people going to think? And then he gets the right kind of feedback to go, oh, how much better can I do this? Yeah. And to keep pushing himself. Well, it came because uh, a fan, I think, bet him once if he lost a game, they he would wear a French maid's costume for like a oh, shoot that, yeah. or for something. And he brought it along and he ended up, and what's cool is he ended up doing it and then I think ended up, you know, like getting a great response from the pitchers, kind of liking it and yeah. seeing what else he could do. I think his, his girlfriend is a makeup artist who helps him with the cosplay. Anyway, it's it's a small anecdote, but I just I think yeah. it's such a cool one. Like it's it's just it's inspiring to see. Yeah, and so um, before we wrap up, uh, the the other big thing that you talked about was the idea of immortalizing our past. You know, and embracing all the really cool moments and you know building the mythology of esports mm-hmm. so that as you say, we kind of it's it's not a long history, but there's still so many amazing moments. And mm-hmm. if you're already inside it, you might remember them. But but as an industry, we don't necessarily do a great job of of building out that story mm-hmm. in the same way that, that that sport has. So what are some of the sort of things you hope to see more of, I guess, as you know, as we try to achieve that sort of an aim? Yeah. Um I think some of them are starting to happen, right? Like Hall of Fame is a really great example of something that you know, is 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 designed to honor those moments in our history and to talk about our short history, but still treat it, you know, for, for, as it deserves. Um, there's, you know, a, an ongoing debate about how do you how do you reward moments, uh, victory moments, right? Because there's some things that are meaningful in sports that don't necessarily translate. Like arguably, championship rings, right? That's a huge symbol in sports. Um, here i'm not sure that we have an equivalent not yet some people are playing around with championship rings and they're cool um but i i would like to see us figure out what are the things that recognize extraordinary performance and maybe they're not physical right maybe they're in the game like mm-hmm. what you know kind of like how the winners of league customize their skins and get you know like skins to honor their victory which i think is you know uh, incredible but I I would also just like to see um, a little bit more looking back as as much as we look forward. Like when we announce new things and new barriers broken, we need to acknowledge the steps that it's taken to get there. Mm. You know, like I, I think in the early days we were in such a rush to get there that we didn't really take the time. And ultimately that's how you build a sport that lasts for decades, right? Or generations even is, is you, you create meaningful moments that you can say I was there, right? I was 14 and I was there. I saw it. I saw the win. I saw it happen. I can't believe, you know, he's coming back or I can't believe he's coaching a team now. Or like, I remember, um, and you need to prompt people, right? You need to help them along to create, to sort of string those memories together in their mind. Because memory is such a funny thing. It's 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 a combination of things that we've seen and things that we've heard and things that we read. And I, I think on all three of those fronts, we could do a better job of, of recognizing the small moments mm. and the big moments. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, we can't all be there at every single cool thing that happens. Right. And 
the internet has such a goldfish brain of, you know, like, oh, if that was an event that happened last weekend, like, mm. pff, who even remembers or who mm. would go back and watch the VOD anymore anyway? Mm. Whereas, you're right, there's, there's kind of all these amazing things that that help to build this history that mm-hmm. is then it becomes assumed knowledge as well, mm. right? But mm. only if you if you if you've taken the time to work it out for yourself rather yeah. than finding those cool places that might share it with And that's you. also how you create mythology around teams, right? In addition to prose. I remember, I think it was last year or maybe the year before, there was a voiceover here at IEM Katowice that, that talked about one of the teams and it said they, you know, they because they they'd been thwarted from the championship a few times and and the mythology was you know they they roam the earth like hungry and it was i i can't remember who said it but it was such a cool way of putting it 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 was such a you know kind of old legend way of putting it um and the more i think that we start to adopt those storytelling techniques of you know past and 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 longing it the more effective we're going to be um so yeah i i think this is especially true for teams obviously that have been around a long time that have the ability to create a legacy it's it's difficult for for newer brands but yeah i just i i find such and um this is going to sound really fan fangirly but i just i find such poetry in these moments of victory and moments of defeat Mm. um and i think you know giving me a way to remember them in a significant way would be super meaningful to me. Yeah. And look, yeah, we always have the same problems with uh, mainstream media storytelling around esports. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, do you feel like there's some ways that the specialist kind of things cover things that also kind of feeds into the idea of not necessarily covering it all that well or in interesting ways? Or, you know, do you think there's other things that just could in general be improved in the way everybody writes about these kinds of stories yeah i mean so mainstream media is a, is a double edged sword right it has always been for esports um has the ability to rise raise up and has the ability to you know either belittle. really super gloss over or belittle yeah you see less and less of it these days i think because it's it, it's it's sort of immolation at this point to say that the the esports is for nerds because it's so ubiquitous and because you know there's these visible figures like ninja even though you know ninja's not strictly esports but bringing gaming into the mainstream and you know nobody wants to go home and face the wrath of their kids yeah i've said that on in australia we sort of finally had some you know, when anna was part of the you know the international winning team last mm. year suddenly it was oh there's an aussie who just won more than a million dollars in right. playing games yeah the money tends to shop people <laughs> up as well it's a, definitely a, a leveler um so i i think you see less and less the problem with mainstream media obviously is that they're going to be able to cover only the surface because you know it, like uh, i work a lot with the wall street journal and new york times um they're going to be able to cover bigger trend stories but obviously they can't cover it as a sport you know week on week performing they're not going to have an esports page until their readership great greatly changes if yeah. if ever so the the endemic media the the media that uh, the press corps that are specific to this sport that's really their responsibility right is to cover it with all the intricacy that you would expect a sports journalist to cover something um which is why i've always you know it's always been at least my goal to treat these guys you know as as really the best possible way of growing the scene right you never want to sweep them aside if a if a mainstream media comes calling you want to build relationships with them and make sure they have everything that they need to be telling these stories uh so you know i think the combination uh works pretty well and i think we've for what it's worth we've been pretty lucky with big mainstream hits we had a piece with um 
the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, who sent along. A, yeah, yeah, he sent along a comedian to like train with the guys, and I, you know, it was that sort of classic fish out of water story. But I, I thought it worked really well. Um, you know, wasn't patronizing, wasn't too surface. I thought it was a good. It was a good blend. Mm. Those, so those things do come along. Yeah. So penultimate question. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's a lot of talk right now about, you know, the effort to either, well, to actually add geolocation to some of the teams. Mm. But I think a, a big part of... Um, you know, what you were talking about today and, and you know, part of the, the promise of what's different about esports is mm-hmm. that idea that someone can build an affinity with a team that it doesn't matter where they are. Mm. Um, curious your thoughts on sort of that effort in things like, you know, Overwatch League to try to start building, because this absolutely seems like there's pros and cons to trying to, you know, just convince those people for the first time to go, yeah. oh, my town has a team. I'll support my team yeah. versus then starting to kind of learn just that idea of going, oh, I just, I think that team is cool and now I, they're my team. <laughs> yeah. I think they're also trying to elongate the life, right? Like I'm I'm much more likely to pass something along to my children if we're, you know, if there's some geographical tie. Yeah. Um, I um, So I'm sort of a, a healthy skeptic. I think that there's a ton of room for geolocation. I just, I, I'm not sure that we've hit on the right way to do it yet. Yeah. Um, and the the Overwatch League for for I think it has made some great strides in that area, but it's still essentially you know a new an, a North American based league um, that has names of cities and the you know the the odds kind of outreach to that city, but isn't you know and, and I know it has plans too. I, I I'll be interested to see how those plans pan mm. out because it's what they're suggesting is incredibly complex and 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 difficult i think for for an esport with that said i mean i i do agree that tying things to geographic locations at least in theory um stokes fandom and there's nothing wrong with that like the chinese league of legends team of the chinese league of legends league is geolocated right like they go from studio to studio um and that's been very successful for them so yeah, I mean, I, I am I am tempted to believe that people follow teams in esports for a combination of reasons, right? For skill, for story, for players, for, for general tone. Mm. And I think that there's room for geography in there. I don't think it's going to be the determining factor. Yeah. Um, at least not in, maybe not in my lifetime. But I, yeah, I, so I'm skeptic, but hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And look, you know, I think this weekend, yeah, we've got uh, Renegades in the top eight, mm-hmm. and yeah, you must be excited. Yeah, and look, and for a long time, I think 
you know, only the most hardcore people would have even known that they existed in Australia. Yeah. But they're at that point now where something was, we've got a team, so everybody get on the, you know. I mean, it's not bandwagoning really, but it's more that idea that people – have suddenly got the awareness that, yeah. that they exist. And it's especially meaningful to a region like yours, right, who who um, is is newer to the international scene in terms of that, to, uh, you know. And, and the same thing will happen if, as and when, uh, Liquid plays, right? Like, I, I, I'm here supporting Liquid for the rest of the weekend and I expect to see, you know, like American flags and here USA, USA. Like, that's again, that's meaningful to that region because it's been underrepresented in, in CSGO, yeah. right? In terms of success, at least. So, Team Liquid is sort of the hope of the West. And that's, yeah. that's cool. Like, I can get behind that in yeah. terms of, you know, geographic pride. So, like well, I said, I think there's a, there's a glimmer there. And it's a good fit, I guess, is a like regionality versus you're from a town right there's a big difference there as yeah, well. yeah i think so i mean there's a london team in the overwatch league um and i went when i was last back in london which is my hometown but i, I don't live in anymore i went to a fan meetup there um and for what it's worth the fans were you know enthusiastic and and taking it to their heart i think a, a lot of it is because you know a pro team was in town and that's cool um but you could see the stirrings of something um so i don't know if it's city based or region based but i you know i think time will tell yeah and as a, a finishing place, uh, you know, 2020, literally months away now, mm, okay. um, you know, what excites you most about the decade ahead when it comes to this wonderful industry? Other than the presidential election. <laughs> Super excited about that. That's going to be fun. Yes, it will. Um, okay. So hmm, that's a good one. Um, I think, you know, everybody likes to talk about Fortnite, like it's sort of reinvented the wheel. And I'm sure that's not the case. But um, what I do think it has contributed massively is a sort of a, a um, rethinking, a recalibration about what esports and entertainment can be, right? Because for Fortnite as a whole, even though they're stepping up their plans with 20 million prize pools or whatever, um, has, has concentrated on the entertainment, the sort of the, the, the more like WWE style, um, show matches and, and personality driven content. And I think that's really interesting because it's blurring the lines between what we consider to be like a hardcore competitive sport and what we consider to be, you know, gaming for entertainment. Mm. So I don't, I can't make a prediction as to what's going to happen in that space, but I do think that we'll see a lot more, um, because so far, right, we've we've pulled so much on sports expertise. What we haven't pulled on is entertainment expertise, right? The the entertainment industry and what they can teach us mm. about what we can do. Um, and I think we're, we're going to see more and more starting to test the boundaries in that area. Additionally, I mean, I think you'll see other sports rise. Um, I think, you know, mobile gaming will... Um, start to take its rightful place amongst leading esports be it you know clash royale or, or something else um but mainly i mean i i, I the esports industry is going to continue breaking records at least for a little while um and then after that i think it's all about refining mm. um what fandom means well yeah that entertainment sort of question there feeds into the whole influencer discussion right, right. now doesn't it where right. it's like well y- you know when we see esports pros have to actually make a decision of do I just actually go back to full time streaming versus mm. the effort required to train with a team, 
but not make as much money as I can yeah. make when I'm just directly dealing with a fan base. It's like, it depends what lights the fire under you, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Doublelift had that same stress, right? Like he, it's, it's, and the life of a pro is super stressful. Yeah. Very demanding, you know, six days a week of training, two to three days of competing on the road a lot, you know, no time for personal life, for girlfriends, for, uh, you know, th- there's, there's been more and more work to give them some balance, but that's, that's a hard life. And uh, streaming too is, you know, yeah, very exactly. demanding, but in a different way. Either, yeah. yeah like it's, it's not like you can take two weeks off on holiday. You'll lose hundreds yeah. of thousands of followers. Every time Ninja, right. Every time you see Ninja at an event, when you, when we all saw him on Jimmy Fallon, he probably lost $200,000, right. Just, just by yeah. virtue of not streaming. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a hard decision, but what, so in relation to double lift, what brought him back was, you know what, I just, I'm going to win. I still got it. I've still got it in my veins. Like I can't, I can't stop now. I can't stop until I feel like I'm done. Um, and I, you know, I sympathize with that. I'm not skilled at anything enough to, uh, to win any championships at it. But if I felt even for a second that I had another year of competing in me and I, I'd regret it if I didn't, I would take the sacrifice. I would do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to his credit, he's been incredible, um, in his comeback. Well, his comeback since his brief period of streaming. But, uh, yeah, I, I would feel the same. <laughs> Sports Moment is produced by me, Seamus Byrne, and you can find more great conversations with industry leaders over at the website biteside.com. Or you can find all episodes sitting patiently in any podcast app, just waiting for you to go back and listen in. If you're liking what you're hearing, if you have thoughts to share, if you want your awesome brain featured on this show, get in touch. I'm at Seamus on Twitter, or you can email ask at biteside.com. You can also leave reviews and ratings out there on the line too if you do that sort of thing. Or you can just share the show with friends on your socials if you're liking what you hear and want to help the show to grow a little bigger and brighter. We'll catch you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.